Welcome to another episode of The Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, join me and my co-host, Alex Ross, as we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss an online course for trauma, a therapy for a common sleep disorder, and detection of nerve damage for diabetics. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 36 for the week of June 8th. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Alex Ross. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is W56.41XA, bitten by shark initial encounter. Wow, it's interesting that you chose this one. Because uh, interestingly enough, this is this has happened to me. Been bitten by a shark initially? Yeah, yeah just initially. Um, mm. I don't exactly know how it happened. Or an actual shark. Um, no, an actual shark. Oh. Uh, you know how when you go to the aquarium, they've got the little petting tanks? Yes. You know, the open top, real low. You're supposed to pet the stingrays and the little fishies. Uh, somehow a shark had made it in there. I don't know what he was doing exactly. Um, but, you know, being me, I thought I would give the shark a pet. And so I did. Mm-hmm. All was well. Um, and then the aquarium employee said... That shouldn't be in there. And so, of course, my natural instinct is to grab it. Yes, of course. <laughs> so that I can remove it from the tank. And it did not like that very much. Um, so it, it bit my left hand pretty hard. Had to be amputated, but I'm all right now. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Do you think that this diagnosis code goes up? During Shark Week, or I think it would go it down for Shark Week. It goes down because everyone's at home watching Shark Week. Or are they all getting virtually bitten by sharks because of the content within Shark Week? I wouldn't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and with that, let's get right into the news. First up, we have Crash Course on Trauma, Childcare Education Institute. An online training provider dedicated to the early care and education workforce is offering a no-cost online course on supporting children and families who have experienced trauma. The CDC recently called childhood trauma a public health concern for which intentional prevention efforts should be established. Close up to 60% of Americans experience at least one type of childhood trauma and about 15% experience four or more types. These have detrimental effects that can impact both mental and physical health into adulthood. The course explores developmental impacts of different types of family trauma. Participants will learn ways to structure support for children and families who have experienced these issues. Specific classroom strategies and parent resources are also provided. I'm wondering who's allowed to take this course because uh, it's free and it sounds pretty beneficial, so maybe I should go Mm -hmm. sign up. Yeah, right? Especially if you're getting bitten by sharks. Yeah, um, <laughs> probably has nothing to do with sharks. It lists that 60% of Americans experience at least one type of childhood trauma. I wonder if that's like including everything, even like mild cases of like getting that's, bullied. You know, that's what everyone, I'm guessing. Like there's some right? kind of childhood trauma that 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 the majority of people experience. and And I don't think it's necessarily like as innocuous as someone called you a mean name once. Right. I mean, Maybe. like, there, there is something that has a big enough effect that it could be detrimental later on down the line, right? right. It, it could cause damage that is, is more lasting. And it's, 
I'm surprised, honestly, to see that they're saying 60% of children experience some kind of trauma. That That's an incredible number. So it's great to see opportunities like this so that you know more people can learn how to support them. Do you think that using social media could be a traumatic experience? Uh, at this point, yes. <laughs> maybe that falls under it. Maybe, maybe the real reason why kids are experiencing so much trauma is because of social media. Again, oh my gosh. We're all just looking for things to blame. <laughs> Next up, restless to improve therapy for this condition. There's a new FDA-granted breakthrough device program for a wearable therapy designed to treat adults with restless leg syndrome. This is the second most common sleep disorder worldwide and affects over 10% of the adult population in the U.S. It's mainly treated using medication, but an estimated one-third of patients still continue to have symptoms despite being on medications. This wearable neuromodulation platform from Noctrix Health is helping with this. The device targets specific nerve fibers in a way that's comfortable while sleeping to reduce symptoms for those who don't benefit from current treatments. I'm very interested as to <clears throat> what medications are used for restless leg syndrome. It just knocks Horse you out. tranquilizer? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> obviously, I know nothing about treatments for restless leg syndrome, obviously. Um, and it's pretty cool to see these new technologies that are able to target uh, things like that in a way that's not a medication, Yeah. right? course like like medications have their place and their purpose and they're great for what they do um but having other options and other things that may be more effective especially kind of more mechanical right yeah and that's is, pretty exciting this is definitely in the early stages um because i'm looking it up right now and i don't see anything as to what it looks like or anything like that Right. So right now it's just like, hey, this exists. Let's uh, let's get going. You know. So right, right. So this is just very early stages that they're working on this device. Um, I'm imagining though, we're just going to integrate this with our iHealth app in the future. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Next up, we have kicking out the old school ways. A new technology could rapidly detect nerve damage in the feet of diabetics. The old school way of, for testing is by foot tickling or tapping a tuning fork on the patient's feet. Replacing this older approach with a rapid, reliable technology-based diagnostic could allow more diabetics to get tested for early signs of peripheral neuropathy, a disease that leads to sores, foot ulcers, and amputation. Vision Quest developed a software to measure sense deterioration with infrared imaging. The measurements are based on how well patients regain feeling in their feet after a cold patch is applied to the skin. Once the patch is applied and removed, patients' feet will warm up differently depending on nerve damage. Interesting. Uh, it's kind of crazy how foot tickling and tapping a tuning right. fork on your patient's feet was a way to they're... determine if you were diabetic or not. <laughs> Well, no, it's 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 as a result of being diabetic that you, yeah. you can get this nerve damage. Um, it, I, I'm wondering if we're overcomplicating this and, and kind of what the purpose is. Like, is the goal to get like a number, like what percentage of nerve damage you've got? Yeah. Because I don't know, foot tickling and tapping with a tuning fork, it, 
that sounds effective. Can you feel this? <laughs> no. Okay. There's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like maybe they and, are making it too expensive. And it's super simple to do that. And now we're looking at software with infrared imaging and sensors and patches. <laughs> and that's so complicated. Medical bills, baby. To, right. Bring them up. The, obviously, the benefit has to be pretty significant for doctors to be willing to go through all of this effort instead of just going good. Tickle, tickle, tickle. <laughs> <laughs> what tune uh, do you think a patient's foot who's diabetic? Oh, just just middle C. Ah, yes, middle C. It's a nice little hum. Welcome to Breach Patrol. We talk about the latest breaches all across the world. First up, we have all aboard the breach train. Amtrak, a passenger railroad service, announced that a breach might have affected some passengers' personally identifiable information. Amtrak discovered that an unknown third party gained unauthorized access to some guest reward accounts. These unauthorized individuals compromised usernames and passwords to authenticate themselves on the guest reward accounts. In the process, they may have viewed effective members' PII. This did not include social security numbers, payment card details, or financial information. Amtrak implemented measures to prevent similar incidents from occurring and is offering a complimentary one-year Experian Identity Works membership for all affected customers. The customers are also encouraged to change their passwords to strong, unique passwords. I go back and forth on how I feel about these, you know, one-year identity protection yeah, things. Like, I, don't, I don't know if I want that. Right. <laughs> like, on one hand... How would you just give me the money that it would normally cost if I had one of these accounts? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Like, on one hand, here's the thing. Whoever stole this information is now like, oh, I've just got to wait a year. And then nobody will notice, right? You just yeah. told them how long they have to wait. Um, but on the other hand, it's not so much the identity theft. Obviously, that's a, a threat. But next is, is the phishing. Right, because they didn't steal social security numbers. They or, want social security numbers, though. Right, so that they can later do the identity theft. So, <laughs> you know, I go back and forth on whether or not that's an effective thing to do for people. But even still, a year doesn't seem like enough. No, no, and it's hard to put a, a time on that that's acceptable. Maybe even just lifetime. Like, why not? Why not? You know, I doubt that these people would even want an Experian Identity Works membership anyways. At what point uh, do we just put everyone on identity monitoring? Yeah, maybe that's just <laughs> a thing, you know. With how life many breaches liberty. we have going on. Every we, American has life, liberty, and pursuit I, of happiness, and now Identity Works and Identity Protection <laughs> It's in the next uh, stimulus bill that's going to be checked. It's in the next constitution. Identity monitoring for every, in the next constitution. <laughs> constitution 2. Constitution 2.0, <laughs> including identity protection. Next up, a breach or not a breach? That is the question. The research team at VPN Mentor discovered a breach affecting 7 million users of India's BHIM mobile payment app. There were claims that a massive amount of sensitive financial data was exposed to the public. This data was stored on a, quote, misconfigured Amazon Web Services S3 bucket and was publicly accessible. The VPN Mentor security team reached out to the website developers about this mixed configuration but received no response. They also contacted India's computer emergency response team twice, and the issue was finally fixed after almost a month. 
but National Payments Corporation of India denied the report and said in a statement there has been no breach that compromised the financial details of its customers. It's requested everyone to, quote, not fall prey to such speculations. What do you think? Did it happen? Probably. I think a lot of... I think that the app world is kind of a wild west right now. There's a lot of apps that are like just super sketchy. And even if they're not sketchy, they're still very, very in their infancy phases and just don't have the security that they're supposed to have or should have or go out of their way to have because you can get a lot of information on someone from getting into their mobile phone, right? Right, right. I don't know. Maybe there should be a little bit more of a, uh, a. I don't know if this is on the actual phone provider, like maybe Apple Store, Google Play Store. Maybe they should have. That's, that's what I was thinking. Seven million wow. users is a yeah. pretty big app, right? Yeah. That seven million users is a lot. That means that that app is probably on some stores, either the Apple Absolutely. Store, or the Google Play Store, whatever stores that people are getting their apps. Is there a role to play by these developer companies like Google and Apple to basically make sure that mobile payment apps or things that are going to be storing financial information yeah. are compliant with you know some different security measures? Because I, I mean, most of them use like Google or Apple's security, right? They don't right. actually store it. They use someone else's security. It sounds like this app doesn't use someone else's security and is it incumbent on the the app store to make sure that their apps are using some type of security right yeah i feel like i mean if you go to if you look at it in terms of like an actual store like if you if you if apps were everyday items sold at a local walmart is walmart what do they do are they responsible i mean obviously when they purchase something to sell right it reflects upon their brand so i'm sure that they have some sort of evaluation process right Whereas the only kind of evaluation process that we see as people who use phones is reviews which sure are a mixed bag and you got to sure. take them with a grain of salt <laughs> right I, I guess my thought on on apps that are processing payment information is maybe the app store should require documentation that they are compliant with you know pci for example mm-hmm. as kind of a standby to say like, hey, we're not going to let you on this platform unless you can prove that you're not about to expose our users. Right. Because that, that's a risk for them. Next up we have, speaking of misconfiguration, VPN Mentor's research team discovered another data breach recently that also originated from a misconfigured Amazon Web Service S3 bucket. This one affected the Spanish e-learning platform 8Belt, exposing private data of 150,000 users and making them vulnerable to dangerous cyber attack. 8Belt is also a popular platform for large corporations, helping their employees learn new languages. Data of users from these corporation clients was also in the exposed S3 bucket, and many of them had used their company work email addresses to sign up. This exposed employee PII data is a significant security risk for those companies since hackers could use employee emails to attack an entire corporate network. VPN Monitor urges users to contact 8Belts to learn steps that the company is taking and how they can avoid risks. So the most obvious risk from this is these malicious 
entities sending emails that are like, hey, this is your boss. You need to go buy some gift cards and send them to me, which I get those emails probably every other day, and it's really obnoxious. Hey, hey, Alex, can you help me real quick? And then you respond, and they're like, okay, go buy me some gift cards. And then you're like, okay. Right. You don't do that because we are trained, but also not every company is trained. So, Right. So if you're listening to this and you're not trained, um, you should know that if you ever get an email that claims to be your boss and then they ask you to go quickly buy some gift cards, it's probably fake and you should walk down the hall (laughs) to your boss and say, hey, do you need me to get gift cards or is this a scam? And they'll be like, why would I want you to get gift cards? Exactly. (laughs) With things like Venmo nowadays, who even needs to get gift cards? Right. Plus, I'm sure your boss has a corporate card. So if he wanted to get gift cards, he would just probably use that. (laughs) Or he would give you the card to do it, right? Exactly. (laughs) So use common sense and you'll be just fine. Right. And always check where the emails are coming from. That's probably the biggest one. Because sometimes the email can look very realistic and, and seem to pass muster for all of the basic checks. Um, but then you you really dig into the email address and you you look at the actual address, not the name that shows up, because that name could be anything they want to put in. But the address is going to end up being something terrible that isn't where you think it should be coming from. Exactly. And that's it for this week's wrap up of your weekly healthcare and cybersecurity news. I'm Alex Ross, and I'm Matthew Moneypenny, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The Bandage. This week's episode was written and produced by eTactics. eTactics is a leading revenue cycle solutions organization committed to providing innovative, web-based solutions that improve our clients' cash management and customer relationships. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.